We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room Production. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Big Blue Banter. New York Giants football podcast meets live weekly show on Locker Room. By now, you guys all know the deal with these locker rooms. They are an opportunity for us to do what we honestly like most, which is converse with you guys and talk a little Giants football and see what the pulse of the fan base is feeling and thinking at this time as we wait for others to join the room. And I will, in a second, turn this over to Nick so I can tweet out the link and get Everybody else in this room, I will take this time, actually, to say, please, 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 friendly listeners, award-winning listeners, all you good people who frequent our show, do us one favor. And actually, this is honestly the second favor I've asked you, but the first one, most of you have already completed the task on. The second favor is head over to YouTube.com. I know all of you have a YouTube account. If not, you can sign up for one in a few seconds. And then take a few more seconds of your time, and please, please do us a favor and go type in Big Blue Banter, obviously our podcast name, on YouTube. Find our new YouTube channel and hit subscribe. We're up to 500-plus subscribers. We want to get to 1,000 ASAP. That's the key goal number to start. Please help us get there. Just head over to YouTube, type in Big Blue Banter, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button on a couple videos. I mean, listen, we got five or six videos already up there. And we're new to this, but we have two unbelievable videos up there. Nick breaking down Kadarius Tony's film. Nick breaking down Aziz Ojolari's film. Some of you may also want to check out our NFC East grades, get a little feel for the competition. All that and more is coming to the Big Blue Banter YouTube page. So please do us a favor. Just head over there. And obviously, more time for promotion. As always, 
Give us a rating and review and five stars on iTunes if you can. Check us out on Instagram, NY Big Blue Banter, and then obviously here on Locker Room. So, Nick, I'm going to turn this bad boy over to you while I go ahead and tweet out the link. Awesome, Dan. Thank you for all that promotion. You know, like you said, we're really trying to grow that uh, YouTube page and the Instagram page as well. I think there's going to be much more good content. I'm really excited for what we're going to be able to do during this season, breaking down the All-22 film of this beloved team, the New York Football Giants. So it would be excellent if uh, people can go over there, hit the subscribe button, like you just said. Dropped the Aziz Ojolari one earlier this morning. That was a fun breakdown on what he could do, not only as a pass rusher with his main elite go-to pass rush move, but also as a run defender, especially against those power gap concepts. And then also dropping into coverage. He's definitely going to be able to do that as well, if not better than someone, say, like Kyler Fackrell did last year in a similar role. He'll be more effective in all of the phases than Fackrell. That's just definitely an upgrade, obviously, if the New York Giants got at pick 50 after two trades down, Dan, which is still ridiculous to think about. I know we're more than a week removed from the draft, but, man, to get them in a show, show a new deck of cards to us all. Yeah, it is. it was definitely a bit of a surprise, Nick. What are your overall thoughts now as we kind of head toward this dead period, as they call it, of the offseason. How are you feeling overall about the roster? I feel well. I feel good about the roster. I still have my concerns, my reservations about the offensive line, and it's, but it's not anything glaring. When you look at the roster on paper, and we've said this before on the podcast, there aren't glaring holes because realistically, Rob Sale and Pat Flaherty these young offensive linemen, they could develop. I mean, this is a much more stable situation than what happened in 2020 with not just COVID, but with Mark Colombo and David DiGuglielmo. So realistically, they could progress, but at the same time, you're kind of relying on all five of them too. So it's still a little bit of high hopes and high wishes. Can it happen? Of course. But without Kevin Zeitler there, that veteran guy, it's just a little bit more uncertainty. And I think that's fair, but only time will tell and only playing time will tell. So once week one arrives and as the season progresses that's when all these questions will be answered hopefully it will be to the benefit of the new york giants and there won't be some sort of liability hopefully shane lemieux really corrects the mishaps that he had early in pass in passing downs because that that's just something that can't happen man you, you can't have daniel jones hit his back foot and then have somebody at his feet already yeah you're spot on i mean there for me is a three-pronged approach to my concerns with giants moving forward the first prong jason garrett I don't like the offense. I don't like the concepts. I hope he can change. The second prong is the offensive line, like you just mentioned. The third one for me is Daniel Jones, obviously. Mm -hmm. Not quite as high on him as some of the other giant, I guess, accounts and analysts. Uh, Outside the beat, I would say. And obviously, if you're on Giants Twitter, you'll see people saying Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in the division somehow. And that is still a bit (laughs) odd for me. But there's obviously the traits. You see it on film with Jones. You see flashes. It's just about putting it all together. That's the whole thing with Jones. The flashes are there. The traits that lead me to believe he can be the winning quarterback for the Giants are all on film. That's why we're still here, I think, Nick, in the same spot we've been where we think he can still be good. Because if you just look at the overall results of things, putting it all together in one game has not exactly been a thing for Jones. He did it sort of in that Washington game in his rookie season. I guess you can say he did it there. That's fine to say. He did it for a half against Cincy last year, but you need that to happen on, you know, eight to 10 or more games. If you want to move forward, you need that, put it all together. So we'll see what happens there, but it looks like we have our first speaker request for the night. And that is Ashton Viknar. How you doing, Ashton? What's going on, my man? What's up, man? Um, yeah, just, I think this year is for Daniel Jones is do or die. I mean, 
Um, I'm not, I mean, I mean, I'm not a person that would throw him under the bus because he really hasn't had great wide receivers. But this year, he has them. And he has a good offensive line and a good defense. And he got one of the top five running backs coming back in Saquon. I mean, it's do or die for him, in my opinion. I yeah, mean, absolutely. I would, I would agree with you, but I also wouldn't say he has a good offensive line. That would be the one area we probably disagree. All right, that's fine. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you for joining on, man. Do you have a question? Yeah, thank you. you. to talk a little Daniel Jones. No, I just want to um, question. And I, if I can't, um, what do you see the Giants doing this year? I mean, what do you – I know it's way early, but what, do you, what are your early thoughts about how they would do this year? I think a lot of it is going to depend on what Dan and I were talking about just before, Ashton. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That offensive line, the progression of Daniel mm-hmm. Jones, and then Jason Garrett also changing his play calling up. Because Jason Garrett, not long ago, he was a, like like uh, Sigmund Bloom said on the podcast, he was the rising star as an offensive coordinator. <laughs> but that not long ago happens to be 10 to 15 years ago, and he hasn't necessarily really evolved his offense. But if he can evolve the offense, I think the Giants can win this division. You're looking at a team that has the potential to go, what, 10 and 7 or something like that because now it's this ugly 17 game schedule that I'm not going to ever get used to Dan and Ashton I'm just not going to to be honest 10 and 6 is so clean 10 and 7 is just a nasty looking record but I think that is definitely an attainable goal in this division but I you can't write off Washington you can't write off Dallas either Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more with a Credit Karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in my opinion, I think if those if these teams get 
a quarterback or like the Eagles and if Daniel Jones can live up to supposedly his expectations, I, I feel like that division here in the next probably five years will be a good division to watch or to see who comes out of that division. Yeah, I think, that's a good, I think that's a good point, Ashton. For me, it would be, you know, at this point, I think they have done – there's no excuses for them not to win 10 games next season. They've added incredible <laughs> amounts of talent. Okay. They've added depth to the roster, and they've mortgaged their future to try to win this year. They've dipped into future salary cap to try to win this year with their free agency this year. Another massive haul after last year having a pretty big spending spree going out and getting James Bradbury yes, and Blake Martinez and Logan Ryan, who they've been re-signed to a high, you know, a high salary deal. So there are no excuses at this point, in my opinion, for their, uh, if they win nine games and go nine and eight, I will not consider that a success. And I will honestly, and to some extent, pity the fans who do see that as a success. Cause I know there will be some out there. I mean, listen, there were some fans who thought last year was a success when they won six games, four of which came against the crappy division that was the NFC East, another which came against a Joe Burrowless Bengals, and the sixth against a Seattle team. Great game, great win, but that was one. That's one of 16. So I think they're going to have to win 10 games, in my opinion. I think they should win 11 with this roster, but obviously it all comes down to a few things, and we'll see how that goes. But we have a new speaker request coming in from our boy Mike, what's going on, Mike? How you doing, my man? Hey, how you guys doing? What's up, Mike? How you doing? No, I can't. I can't complain. Um, I'll make it short and sweet tonight. Um, you guys always talk. You guys are talking about successes. Um, as far as what it looks like, but for me, I think it's Daniel Jones has to limit the turnovers. Um, I would love to say like fifteen collective. <laughs> Fumbles and interceptions. So I love the little uh, laugh there, Marcel. <laughs> I would love to say like collectively fifteen turnovers uh would, would is is the magic number and that would quantify as a great season for from from me for him. Um but if I want to get a little bit more in depth, I think it's more like the the damning turnovers, I guess you could say, which are like remember week one versus Pittsburgh where he just threw it right to the guy and you're like, dude, what are you looking at? Um, the fumbles that are like in plus territory where you can put up points on the board, whether it's a field goal, which we really don't want to settle for, or, you know, getting in the red zone and having an opportunity to put six on the board, you know, and you're like fumbling the ball away or, you know, you're patting the ball, patting the ball, patting the ball and not, you know, taking the, the, you know, throwing it out of bounds. You know, you're trying to make a play. You're trying to do something that is not there. They're the turnovers that I think he has to grow from. Um, but, you know, that that's just me. Um, what do you guys feel about uh, Shep's number changes back to uh, three, by the way? I, I'll jump in here. Yeah, but Chef's number back to three. It's going to take a little bit seeing that on the L22, to be honest. I'm so used to seeing 87. It's just a really clean number for Sterling Shepard. So seeing three is going to be interesting, but that's just something we're all going to have to adjust to. I think it's going to be cool if Jabril Peppers ends up getting five from Graham Gano. I know that's a funny thing on Twitter. A lot of people are saying Graham Gano shouldn't give the number up, but I think that's going to be uh, funny to see good old JP maneuvering with the number five like he used to back at the University of Michigan. But I wanted to touch on your points about uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, you're right, man. I mean, 
what is he? I want to say he's fumbled more than anybody in football since he's come into the league. I think he had 18 his first year, 11 last year. So he cut it down significantly in Jason Garrett's offense and really focused on that. And he also cut his interceptions down by two. But I want to say he – no, yeah, no. I think he had less dropbacks in 2020 because of the injury, even though Eli Manning started some of those games back in 2019 and just pulled the PFF up. But he has to take better care of that football. I mean, the Steelers game, the Buccaneers game too, both on Monday night football, both in front of everybody. They were just inexcusable turnovers, especially in that Tampa Bay game when he uh, threw those interceptions and also missed Darius Slayton a couple times deep. So those are the kind of things, man, just quick processing and kind of putting everything together like Dan and I were talking about earlier. Those are the things that we really need Daniel Jones to do. And if he doesn't do it this season, I mean – you have to make that decision to pick up the fifth year option in early May next year. It's going to be a it's going to be a really tough one for the Giants. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, think it, let me ask you this. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just going to say. In addition to that, Mike, uh, Mike, it's not all the turnovers for me though. I don't want people to overlook the turnovers, which it seems like some have done because the numbers are are stark. I mean, combining the fumbles and interceptions that he has accumulated over these two years it's well above anybody in the last two years and that's not going to help you win games but for me it's also generating offense man there needs to be a lot more games where daniel jones throws for 260 or 275 yards because you're not going to win in the nfl if you have a quarterback throwing for a buck 80 a buck 90 a buck 75 at times just not able to generate plays with his arm because this is just not that kind of league i mean you can have an outlier every once in a while the ravens in 2000 the broncos whenever that year was when payton's arm was dead I mean, that's an occasional outlier, but you don't want to go for outliers. You want to go for consistent winners. And so to me, that's the other thing I need him. I need to start seeing generating more offense with his arm. So I'll ask you this, Dan, since you brought that up. So if he let's say he throws for anywhere between 170 and 190, but he gives you (laughs) I'll be generous. I'll say 30 rushing to 45 yards rushing. Would you would you kind of sort of take that like you know or do you actually stand firm and say I need the two seventy five and you know two touchdowns and you know one interception I mean I I look at Vegas odds all the time and for them to only increase our win total by you know a little bit tells me that they don't believe in the quarterback because the quarterback affects the line that much that's just me in my betting. <laughs> Betting yeah, odds I, I can see what stuff. you're saying there because, I mean, look at this roster. They've done so much to improve it in one offseason, yet the win total doesn't change much. So I think that's spot on. I think that is Vegas not believing in the quarterback. And as far as your question goes, like, yeah, there's different ways. I guess it would just be like I need him to start generating close to 275 yards of total offense per game on his own because you're just not going to win. Fo- I mean, the Giants might become – they may have a Browns-like season like, like last year. Like, remember, the Browns with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield wasn't thrown for 250, 300-plus every game. Their defense played great at times, and they controlled the clock. And we've seen that style work, and it's an okay style. And, like, I know that's what the Giants are going for, and it's, it's fine. But that style only works if you have a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. And I think from what we've seen from Jones, he is going to take risks. He throws into man coverage more than a lot of quarterbacks. And I like that. I really like that he's willing to challenge tight windows and and, and to challenge, uh, you know, making throws that are difficult. But if you are that quarterback and you are a little more careless with the football than, you know, some other quarterbacks, well, then you also have to generate big plays as well. And so that's kind of the next step I'm looking for. And even with Baker, too, I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards last year, and he had those three games in the extreme right. that were, like, right in a row. It was just some games they would win with just him passing for, like, 150 to 180. And you know what? The Giants are winning, and Daniel Jones is passing for 180. I'm off work because that 
probably means they're not throwing the football all that often in the second half because they have a lead. Right. So, I mean, a lot of context goes into it. But what Dan is saying is, you know, you need him to be able to finish those drives. Don't settle for field goals. You mentioned that before. Punch it into the end zone. You know, score when you have to. And then if you need to close the game out later, then that's all well and good. But you can't just have this, oh, we got three points here, three points there. Oh, sweet. Two drives, we got three points. And we're up 6 nothing. And then three plays later, defensive mishap. And then the opposing team ends up scoring. And the next thing you know, it's 7-6. to six. We just can't have games like that. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, Andrew Burke is next. What's going on, Andrew? How you doing? Hey, Andrew. You there with us, Andrew? Andrew. Andy. Maybe we call him Andy or Drew, possibly. Drew. All right, Andy. We're going <laughs> to – Andrew, I mean, we're going to come back to you, buddy. All right, we're going to throw in David for now. If you if you jump back on, Andrew, just say something, and you'll, you'll come in after David. What's going on, David? Hey, hey David. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Daniel Jones. Um, I think his rookie year, he did show flashes. You know, there were three games that he threw, four touchdown passes. Um, He did, and last year, I think if you look at kind of the advanced stats on interception-worthy passes, even though I think that that number did come down by quite a bit last year. But I think a larger point that we should make is that, you know, if you compare where Eli Manning was after his first two years, it's a pretty similar place. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I'm not saying that Daniel's definitely going to turn into that, but I think we've seen enough flashes that we could have some optimism going in that he could take that next step now that he has some targets. Because he does throw a very good deep ball. You know, but he hasn't had anyone that can make that contested catch. You know, I want to people... let you get back to your point, David. I don't want to cut you off, but I, I'm going to forget this if I don't say this. I don't think that it's that's exactly the same because if you remember back to Eli's 20, 2005 season, his second season, and remember he didn't even start as many games as Jones did during his rookie season, so he was a little further behind from that standpoint. He had that game-winning comeback drive against the Denver Broncos, and I was actually at the stadium for that game. It was a moment where I knew that he was going to be special. It was that kind of drive. He spun out of a sack on third and nine, rolled back to his left, and hit a player at the sticks. That was pure arm talent right there. Then he got in that obviously goal-to-go situation, dropped back, about looked like 10 steps in the pocket before hitting the crosser to, I believe, Toomer for the touchdown. That was sheer arm talent. And so – to me, Jones has never displayed the kind of arm talent that Eli has. I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions with Eli. People don't realize he had elite arm talent. Yeah, he wasn't the most accurate thrower, but he could rip the ball into tight windows. And like those like two, two plays were good examples of against the Broncos in that game. He could use his arm talent to get him out of tough situations, which I'm not so sure we've seen at least yet from Jones. Like Even if you look back at the Tampa game last year where he made that game-winning drive, he was bailed out by Darius Slayton. He escaped the pocket too early on that fourth and seven. He threw a ball kind of up for grabs. Slayton came back to it, caught it, and then after the catch, picked up the first down. So for me, I just don't see – I don't see the total comparison with the two, and I also haven't seen that, like, game-winning, that make-you-feel-like-he's-the-guy type moment. I think – I mean, you – I don't know. I think the first game that he started, actually, he had a really nice sure. game. Yeah, drive, yeah, so, sure. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm the biggest Eli Manning fan there, so I completely agree with you. But, if, you know – you know, I was on, you know, some of the Giants message boards during that period of time. There was a sizable portion of the fan base just ready to give up uh, on Eli at a similar, even like towards the end of his, you know, fourth year until until that Patriots game at the end of the regular season. Right. So, I mean, I don't think 
you know, and I think, you know, some expectations are distorted because there have been a few young quarterbacks that have hit the ground running right away, but it is still the exception. Um, you know, if you mentioned Mayfield um, earlier. Um, you know, he was horrible his second year <laughs> in the league. He had a nice rookie season, um, but, but they had huge expectations his second year, and he was horrible that, that season. So, and then he took a nice step uh, the next during the next season. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see Daniel Jones. And I want to make it clear. I don't need that, David. I don't, I want to make it clear. I don't, I'm not saying that at all. Like I said, I've seen the flashes that show that he could be the guy, but I just also want to make it clear to me, those two aren't comparable prospects, Eli and Jones. I know some have tried to compare them and the way they talk, the way they look, the way they, you know, can handle the media and all that may be the same. But we're talking about a completely different level of arm talent, in my opinion, between well, Jones and, and Eli. Yeah, well, Eli's a top overall pick, and he was pretty much a consensus top overall pick. So I'm not, you know, comparing the prospects. Right. I'm just comparing, you know, the development of a of a young quarterback. You know, and sure. you know, going going way back further than that, you know, you can throw Phil Sims in there as well. I mean, obviously, the game was completely different, and the stats are going to be different because of the way the game was played, but you know, it was his fifth year in the league that he took, you know, the bigs, and a lot of it was him staying healthy, but, you know, he threw for 4,000 yards in 1984 after being drafted in 1979. Right. So, you know, I just think, you know, that fans, you know, need to be a little bit more patient, you know, because we have seen some flashes. It just needs to be all put together, and I feel like this is the first year he's actually had you know, a receiving core around him. Because, you know, remember, Shepard, you know, missed a ton of games, you know, Daniel's rookie year. Slayton was was good. But, you know, last year they had – they were playing guys like C.J. Ward a lot of snaps. You know, not a lot of court, young quarterbacks are going to succeed with that. Eli could have because, you know, at that point of his career, you know, if he had protection, you know, he, he could elevate wide receivers. But it's a lot asking a young quarterback to elevate a – horrific receiving core so i think that's so that's all i had you know love your work and uh looking forward to listening down the line (laughs) thanks awesome david take care of yourself bro nick before we bring on the next guest do you have anything to add on that topic at all no i mean i i see what david's coming from from the sense of a career arc but you're right i mean when you talk about the arm town of eli manning i do think that's something that's undersold by a lot of people eli had a phenomenal arm and he showed a lot of like he showed a lot of flashes as well early on in his career but I do remember that Minnesota game back in 2007 when how many interceptions did he throw back for a touchdown was it two or three and people were really three writing him off six, three pick sixes in one yeah. game one to Chad Greenway I remember like oh my gosh I remember like I was a kid pulling my hair out at that game but then you know he's hoisting Lombardi trophy put it all together made that magical run then he doubled down and did it again a couple years later against the New England Patriots so you need Daniel Jones to kind of show those glimpses that he can win those games in the fourth quarter and David's right he's a young guy he still has the opportunity to I don't think you or I have either said that he can't do it you just need to see it at a consistent level to, to if you're going if the Giants are going to go forward with him as the face of the franchise in the, in the future after this year no doubt. All right, Anthony is next up. What's going on, Anthony? You there? Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, hey Anthony. What's up? Oh, not much. Just just enjoying Canada, I guess. <laughs> COVID's crazy <laughs> here. Holy shit. It's ridiculous, man. That's a great comment. Just enjoying Canada, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Bad weather and stuff, but, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, so I missed uh, last week, so this is kind of going back to the draft a little bit. Uh, so, so overall, I was pretty happy with the draft. Um, 
And I was a little bit like concerned that we didn't draft a lineman. I mean, you know, I thought maybe take a flyer out on like the sixth in the sixth round, but you know, Brightwell and Williams are just kind of whatever. I'm okay with those. Uh, but yeah, like like Dan said, uh, like the way the draft was set up, like I don't think we could have even drafted a lineman. Like that was like good, I guess. Maybe like maybe uh, Slater at 11, but we traded back. So I was wondering, uh, so, so let's say it's obvious at the trade deadline that the, that it's the offensive line's fault. Like, like, let's say it's obvious, like, like, you know, let's say Jones is doing great. The the receivers are doing good, but there's just no protection. So would it be totally crazy to trade some of the picks that we acquired, uh, like with trading back for alignment at the trade deadline to kind of make a playoff push? Anthony, I'm not really sure what lineman would be available at that point for the trade. And then there's also like the contractual standpoint of that, how long is left on his deal. But I honestly think the Giants are going to look to for those post June one cuts and then even the cuts uh, for the 90 down to the 53 at the end of the summer. I think the Giants are going to look at those two situations and try to bring in linemen at depth who can also help compete behind probably Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez, but compete for that third spot with Zach Fulton. And if Will Hernandez or Shane Lemieux end up struggling, then that lineman could possibly step up. I think that's probably going to be what the Giants end up doing. I can't really speak to Kyle Murphy right now, the kid that they got an undrafted free agency out of Rhode Island last year. Versatile guy, played tackle, played center, played guard. He played really everywhere all over for Rhode Island. But I can't speak to his development quite yet. It seems like they like him. And they also brought in Brett Hagee. Well, I'm not sure if it's Hagee or Hagee, but I'm going to go with Hagee because I feel like it sounds cooler. And uh, Jack Burton as well for undrafted guys to help compete. Both guys will probably project to be the interior offensive lineman. I know Burton played tackle at uh, Baylor a little bit, but he played guard back at UCLA. And then Hagee is a guy who I feel like is probably going to be relegated to be a center only. So he's probably just going to be a backup behind Nick Gates. But I think they're not done adding bodies to that interior offensive line room. But Hernandez and Shane Lemieux have the inside track on the position right now. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, Anthony, would be that it's very, very, very rare that you see a quality offensive lineman traded at the deadline. I can't really think of any examples. As Nick was talking and as you were talking, I was trying to think of them. Can't think of any. Teams usually don't move offensive linemen. And they, if you're lucky enough to have good offensive linemen, you tend to keep them. Now, the scenario could present itself where a team who thought they'd be in contention is now out of contention, has a good veteran lineman, maybe there. But again, that would be tough because the Giants are likely going to be spending up to the salary cap just before the start of the season. That's technically what they do. Last year, they had something similar happen when they signed Logan Ryan. So there probably won't be the kind of cap space they need for it, and there probably won't be the type of player they need. So I, I wouldn't count on that happening. Okay, yeah, just just the way I was thinking because – because yeah. last year at the trade deadline, there were rumors of Zeitler being shipped out. So that's that's kind of why I was wondering. Yeah. So uh, I would be honest, though, guys, this offensive line really scares me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, just the fact that you have a sophomore, like, I don't know, like, what, what was Lemieux, like a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, starting yeah, on your offensive right. line. You have an undrafted free agent as your center. I mean, I like Gates, but just still, like, that's a huge risk. Thomas... He was good at the second half of the season, but you know I don't I don't know, <laughs> and and you know and then uh, and then he got uh, paired, uh, you know a third round pick didn't get many reps, and then he got Hernandez. <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm I'm a little bit kind of freaked out about it to be honest with you guys. Yeah, yeah. And, I, 
<laughs> Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, join the join the club, Anthony, because Dan and I, I mean, I wouldn't say we're freaked out, but we're, uh, we're very cautious about the situation. And we feel, as we alluded to in the beginning of this episode, that there's three things that could hold this Giants team back. The defense plays close to what they played in 2020, and that's Daniel Jones, Jason Garrett, and that offensive line. The thing is, Jason Garrett is one coach. Daniel Jones is one player. That offensive line is five guys who could realistically take a step back. That could be problematic for this team. And they all work in conjunction with each other, and blame will always be assigned collectively. But still, man, I mean, if you have one weak link on your offensive line, that's going to be the guy defensive coordinators are going to attack with twists and stunts and it could compromise the entire line. There's not one there's not one surefire thing on the offensive line. I would say Andrew Thomas, you know, we feel good about him. You know, I feel I feel all right about Nick Gates, but the two guard positions and pair, I mean, it's not a sure thing. I'm not writing them off, but it's definitely not a sure thing. And it's funny, Anthony, because it's like, I actually, as you go through, it's like nobody, we all are focused on Shane Lemieux, Matt Pair, Will Hernandez. No one's even focusing on Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates, almost as if it's like, oh, well, they're guarantees to be good. So we just have to worry about the other three. Well, meanwhile, Andrew, Andrew Thomas had a seven-game stretch where he was literally the worst pass-protecting tackle in the entire NFL. Not just the worst rookie, the worst pass protector in the NFL. For seven straight games, he rebounded nicely, with the exception of that Arizona game and the Baltimore game wasn't so great either. And there's talk, maybe he played through an injury. So I, and either way, I really like him as a prospect. So I think he'll, I kind of tend to think he'll be fine, but that's no guarantee because we already have a seven-game sample size where that wasn't the case. And even Gates, it's like, I think he'll be fine. But again, like you said, that is an undrafted rookie free agent who, you know, is playing a position he's only going to be in his second year. And so... To me, it's actually like Hernandez is one of the guys I'm actually least worried about. To be completely honest, yeah, he's crazy. I was on I was on a podcast last night with uh, Bobby Skinner from from Talking Giants and Justin. Yeah, Kennedy. I heard that. Yeah, and we 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 spoke about it. We're both like, yeah, you know what? Honestly, I think I feel best about Will Hernandez. As weird as it sounds, because I know Will Hernandez is going to be fine in pass protection. I don't know that any of the other guys are guaranteed to be fine in pass protection. Like Will Hernandez is not going to be the best run blocker. Okay. He's going to be an okay run blacker, though. He's going to be serviceable. And like Nick and I have said, and we've had, you know, Sigmund Bloom, we've had tons of guys who are really good NFL evaluators on say, it's more so nowadays about who's the weakest link on your offensive line. It's not as much about do you have these dominant players. It's about who's your weakest link and making sure that your weakest link isn't somebody like Lemieux was basically last year, where, you know, in all honesty, outside the Giants fan base, most people thought Shane Lemieux was the worst pass-protecting guard in the NFL, and there's a terrible, lot of terrible. Yeah, I saw. Back it up. <laughs> so it's like I'm all. I guess what I would say is with Hernandez, at least, it's like I feel he can be a serviceable player, even moving positions. He, I like what I see from him in pass protection. So you're right, though. I mean, there's there's essentially five question marks. Yeah, like like Bobby said yesterday, I don't, I don't think. He, like Hernandez, has lived up to pick uh, like 34 or whatever it is, like, you know, that second round value. But still, at least at least you kind of know like where you stand on him and kind of like, you know, you know, you, you know what you get with him. But you know what? You know, it's just a lot of guys that have to that, that have to take a leap. And I don't know if it's highly doubtful that four guys, you know, let's be generous and say four guys can take a leap. But whatever, you know. I'm a homer, so let's go, Giants. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it happens. Exactly, Anthony. All right, let's bring in Andrew Thanks, back. Take care, Andrew. Yeah, take care, and Andrew had a had an emergency call come in from his accountant. He apparently was very close to missing the May 17th late deadline for his taxes. Andrew, is everything all right with your taxes, and, and you're, you're here now? Yeah, no, no, it's bad. bad. Uh, it's, it's done. I just got to pick up up and sign him. So, yeah, that's kind of on me. Dropped the ball there, but uh, – 
At least, yeah. at least we're, we're down to the easy part there, so can't complain, you know? There you go. Um, so, yeah, actually, a lot of people are talking about um, just kind of Vegas and uh, where the Giants. I kind of want to dive into um, all your recent podcasts about, like, the uh, the NFC East. And um, I don't know if you guys saw, I think I saw, like, the line for, like, the over-under wins was seven for the Giants. And I know we hate, like, unrealistic Giants fans, but isn't that kind of a little low? Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I'll jump in here first, I guess, Nick. I'll, I I feel like it's kind of what we we said before, honestly, Andrew. It's like, it seems low to us. The roster seems really good. It actually seems to me pretty deep at a lot of positions as well. So not just top-heavy like it has been in the past, like for basically every season since Gettleman got here. And obviously that's partially Reese's fault from what he inherited. But with all that said, the depth they've added, the talent they have at the top, I still feel like Vegas is factoring in that they do have a quarterback who – Outside of the Giants bubble, like, if you ask 31 other NFL evaluators, they'd probably say that he's been really, really bad these first two seasons. The stats are really bad. The turnovers are really bad. The lack of offense is bad. And we all don't agree with that. And me and Nick, who have watched a lot of film on Jones, see the flashes. We see the potential. We see what he can be if he can put it all together. But I think Vegas is looking at it like this guy hasn't put it all together. And what he has shown us so far is not a guy who's going to win eight games or more. So I think it all kind of – their projection at least comes down to Jones. I think it's even more than Jones, to be honest, Stan and Andrew. I mean, I think it's also they look at the things that we are all concerned about, this offensive line, the fact that the left tackle struggled last year, and also the fact that Jason Garrett is their play caller. And Jason Garrett had a very unimaginative offense that ranked 31st in scoring and 31st in yards. And, yeah, obviously Daniel Jones is married to that. But I think you collectively look at the offense and, yeah, the additions of Kenny Galladay, getting a healthy Saquon Barkley back, all those things, it's going to really help this offense. But it doesn't necessarily – inspire any hope if Garrett isn't calling the best plays and Daniel Jones can't do enough to to make something of the Jason Garrett play calling and if Daniel Jones has no time obviously that's going to be a huge problem as well so I think Vegas is really just concerned about this offense in general yeah I think that's spot on do you do you two think it's fair to say like because I you know you look at the division and like you know obviously right now on paper Dallas is, is the best offense and Washington's the best defense. I think, though, it's more than fair to say that like the Giants are second in both categories. I think it's fair to say the Giants have the second-best defense. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, too, Nick. So hopefully we have different thoughts, or maybe it's the same. I think it's fair to say the Giants have the second-best defense, but I also think it's fair to say the Giants could actually be the best defense. In my mind, they could be a much better defense. Not much better, but I'll say but the second considerably better. Right? I'm sorry? Because because of the secondary, right? I was thinking the same exact thing, Yeah, too. because of the secondary, because of the addition of Aziz, because of just overall, I just feel like I like the system a lot better. I'm not saying Washington's running a bad system, but I like Patrick Graham a lot. I think Graham could potentially be, you know, a top five play designer, top five play caller type thing on defense. So I will say the defense actually has a chance to be number one, but I wouldn't put the Giants offense number two. I think Washington offense for me would be number two from what I've seen so far. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick generates more offense on a consistent basis than Daniel Jones does. And to me, it's not debatable. I know there's been some discussion about it on Twitter, but I don't really honestly find it debatable. I mean, there were, there were portions of last season where the Dolphins had to bench Tua for that exact reason. He wasn't generating offense. They were hunting. And then Fitzpatrick came in and generated offense. So he may throw some interceptions at Patrick, but he has a much better uh, grasp, in my opinion, post-snap processing than Jones does at this stage of those are career. It's early. Obviously, yeah. you know, Fitzpatrick is a really smart guy, Harvard graduate, who has decade plus of NFL experience under his belt. He's going to be a better processor. But in my mind right now, Washington 
is 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 at least going into this year a better offense on paper. Yeah, I think the Giants would have to earn that right to be the second best offense. But I think there's a possibility, like you said, Patrick Graham and that defense could be the number one. But it's hard to overtake a pass rush that consists of Chase Young, Montez Sweat. I mean, and then you think about the interior guys. Jonathan Allen can get interior pressure. Deron Payne is one of the better run defenders in the league. And they just added Jamin Davis to that defense as well. Last year, their defense was pretty legit. And they didn't really have any huge name secondary pieces. So Washington, that's that defense is going to be hard to overtake. I don't think it's impossible because I have a lot of faith in Patrick Graham. I have a lot of faith in the secondary that the Giants have. I think it's one of the best secondaries in the league on paper, and it's still actually young outside of Logan Ryan. So I think that's definitely a possibility. But the Giants, Dan, you're right. They're going to have to earn that second spot. They're going to have to show us. Right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, you, you guys are the uh, the brains of the operation, so I'm not going to argue with you guys here. But um, just real quick, could you guys bring that guy, uh, Elliot, um, back on? Because we sh- you guys should do some kind of like some best before each game. I think that would be like a great uh, a great segment for you guys. That's that's a good idea. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely keep that in mind. It's funny, Andrew, because it's like some of our listeners are like you, and they like the gambling. They like the fantasy. They like when we expand to things like, you know, overall mock draft. But you're also going to get like a good portion of our fan base who tells us consistently like, don't talk about fantasy. Don't ever talk about any of this stuff. Just talk about the Giants. Make sure it's always Giant. We don't want to hear about your lives. We don't hear about any of this. We just want it to be the Giants. So we're trying to find the balance there, but I'm definitely going to take that uh, into consideration because we love doing that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then w- r- real quick about uh, the uh, your lives. I think the best part of this podcast is when uh, I think Nick went on vacation and he was saying how uh, – his girlfriend or something got an Airbnb and it ended up being like a shithole. So that was, <laughs> that, was, that was one of the best, like, I don't think I've laughed so hard uh, listening to that. So that was, he I was so enjoy, pissed about that Airbnb. Parts. He was so yeah. disappointed with that they, Airbnb. They, Andrew, they built up that Airbnb like, oh, we have a hot tub. And they showed all these <laughs> sweet pictures and everything. And you get inside and it's just, and it's just not a good place. The hot tub was okay, <laughs> but it wasn't, didn't live up to the pictures they had, you know? But they had a grill, so maybe I shouldn't complain as much. But, yeah, Airbnb, it's a total hit and miss sometimes. Uh, yeah, no. No, thanks, guys. I took up too much of your time. But um, we'll talk next week. I hope I don't miss anymore. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Take care, buddy. Have a good one. You too. All right. We got Brian Nash in next. I think first time – maybe a first-time locker room guest. I don't remember seeing Brian Nash unless you change your name up or unless I'm an idiot. So what's going on, Brian? You there, Brian? Brian didn't appreciate your banter, Dan. <laughs> I don't think he I don't think he would have taken that to, uh, too negatively. All right, Brian, we're going to come back to you. But right now, the Don NYG, which is a pretty damn cool name. I got to be honest, the Don NYG is jumping in. And Brian, if you do get back on, just give us a holler. We'll get you on next. What's going on, the Don NYG? What's going on, Dan? What up, Nick? How you doing, man? We good. We good, brother. Just quick question, man. Do you guys honestly think it's over for Daniel Jones if – this year, we don't work out, man. I think it could be. I mean, it depends on what happens and how it all transpires. But if this is another embarrassing season and they don't win more than, say, seven games, I don't think Dave Gettleman is going to probably be, be brought back. I think that might be something where he's going to end up going away. And I don't see if they do bring in a new general manager. And they'll probably promote from within, to be honest. It seems like the giant type of thing to do. But if Daniel Jones is a big reason why they don't end up winning games, I'm not sure if they're going to want to pick up that fifth-year option. They may look to go in another direction. But a lot of other, a lot of things have to happen from then to now. A lot of injuries will end up happening. And then, obviously, what picks do they have? They have two 
first round picks. Who's going to be the number one quarterback next year? Is going to be a guy at the right. Giants. There's a lot of context that goes into it, but I mean, if he doesn't get it done this year, yeah, I mean, it could be realistic that they look to not continue to build with him. And my my pick would be, and actually, the Don, can you actually uh, hit mute while while we're talking, and then jump, and then unmute it when you're back on, just because you got some feedback in the background there, so we wanted to eliminate that. But my take would be pretty similar to Nick's, to be honest with you. But I will say this. To all of those who think this is a make and break year, I want everyone to remember what franchise we're following. We're following a franchise that doesn't really often like to move on from GMs. They want to give a quarterback a long leash. And obviously, as David spoke to before, it was a good decision in Eli Manning's case. They could have moved on from him after that 07 season, and it would have been a mistake. But having said that, Dave Gettleman handpicked Daniel Jones. He fell in love with Daniel Jones. John Mara loves Daniel Jones off the field. Everyone in the organization loves Daniel Jones off the field. So if Gettleman is still the GM, I think they're going to go forward with Daniel Jones, almost irregardless of what happens this year. I'm not saying I support that decision, but that's just would be my best guess there. Yeah, and I, I like you basically we just already reiterated each other, but yeah, no, I agree. Brian, are you uh are you are you with us yet? Brian's not with us, Dan. All right. We did get a question from Todd, though, in the comments, so we'll read this. We don't typically like to do this, Todd. You got to jump on, buddy, and hit request to speak because this is supposed to be a live radio show. But I will, for this one time, answer your question in the comments. I'll ask the question to you first, Nick. He says, would you guys be interested in a package that included Daniel Jones and picks for Aaron Rodgers? (laughs) I mean, I'd probably say that I – I am interested. It depends on what the package is. It depends on how the money works. But, I mean, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. And as unlikely as this is and now it's not going to happen. And, yeah, I do like Daniel Jones. But if you have a chance to get a Hall of Fame talent like Aaron Rodgers and you give up some picks, whatever, I mean, I think you have to take it. That would make the Giants an automatic Super Bowl contender. And how exciting would that be, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. I would take that deal as well. I Ultimately, I, he is 36. He, but in quarterback years, that probably means another four or five years. And if I didn't feel like this Giants roster was ready to compete for a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't be interested in the trade. But I got to be honest with you. If you have Aaron Rodgers on this roster with Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and that Patrick Graham defense, which has been vastly upgraded with Adoree Jackson, with Aziz Ojolari, who we both feel can be an impact defender day one, with Aaron Robinson, who may also be an impact defender day one. I do feel like that team can compete for the Super Bowl right away. So I'm taking that. I'm going to take that swing. I'm going to take that chance. They just picked up an extra first from the Bears. Sure, that would be included. It would be multiple firsts plus Jones. So although I don't know if the Packers would actually be interested in Jones since they are grooming Jordan Love to be their next quarterback. So I'm not so sure Jones would be a piece in that deal. Maybe he would because he's still relatively cheap. So maybe they figure, eh, we'll get Jones. We'll get Love and we'll see who works out there. Um, but ultimately, I, I'm with you, Nick. I would, I would take that swing. Yeah, it would be. Uh, <laughs> how un- how exciting would it be, Dan, to just see Aaron Rodgers scolding at Evan Ingram every time he drops? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, giving him that Aaron Rodgers side. That would be funny. All right, uh, Dom. Dom is here. Finally, Dom. It's been a while, buddy. Where you been? You there, not, Dom. Not Dom. Is he making more chicken cutlets? Dom, are you cooking those chicken cutlets up? Are you frying cutlets again, Dommy? Come on, buddy. Is it bacon? Is it cutlets? We still have not figured it out, but looks like Dom is not actually here. Dom, if you join in, just uh, – I'm here. Oh, nope. what's up, Dom? How you doing, man? What's up, guys? Uh, I don't really have – I don't really have a question. I just I just wanted to say that it was uh, – that you guys had great 
great content leading up to the draft, and it was it was very uh, informative. And, Dude, uh, thank you. And I actually would not. I know this sounds nuts. I actually would not want Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that Daniel Jones is better than him, but I, I feel like it would be more fun to win with the young guy that we drafted than some guy that we just basically get like a hired gun to help us win now and then have to find a quarterback again anyway. Uh, I can understand that point of view, Dom. I definitely can. But I'll say this from speaking to a few close buddies I have in the industry who were Tampa Bay Buccaneers diehards. One covered the team, one just started covering the team, another was a fan. They have no regrets about Tom Brady being that hired gun for them last year. They are so happy to have him. They were happy to win with him. In the end, who really cares? It doesn't really matter how you got there, in my mind. It's just kind of get there and do it. And no, no I agree with that. I just think that part of the fun for me with winning in 08 and winning in 11-12 with, with Eli was how so many people that I knew, close to actually, just shit on Eli's life and said they'd, they'd have no right. way they could win with him. They can't win with him. They can't win with him. They suck. Pete four interceptions versus the Vikings. So I, I want to see Jones prove everyone wrong. Oh, no doubt about it. We want to see that too. I mean, Nick and I would love to see that. It would be obviously better for the Giants as well if it's Jones because he's much younger quarterback. So they would have a lot more years with him versus a guy like Rodgers, who, again, would only be maybe a four, five-year max type of situation if they're lucky and they can get him through the Brady <laughs> system where it's like four, you know, he's playing till he's in his 40s. I don't, I honestly don't know. I know people say like it's becoming the new thing. I don't know if anyone's going to do that besides Brady. Brady is on such an insane diet, insane like diet and workout program. Like this man doesn't eat anything that's bad for you. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is exactly on that oh, program. He's like Nick. Yeah, it is a lot like Nick's diet. You're right. You know, it is a lot like Nick's diet. Except the problem is Nick uh, doesn't. Nick is not doesn't have the kind of money that Brady has to really buy the same kind of products. I don't think and put the same kind of stuff in his body. So. And and for all we know, Tom Brady could be taking some nefarious things. I'm not ruling that out, man. Like, who knows what he does? Like, who knows what those rich people do when it comes to, like, I remember a couple of years ago, I was reading the story about how Bertolo Colon on the Mets, or I believe it was Colon, one of those pitchers uh, who was pitching well into his, his later years, got, like, stem cell injections in his arm, in his pitching arm, his throwing arm. And I, and I, and I started to see that's, like, becoming a common thing. It wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past, maybe, potentially, Brady to be doing something similar, but yeah, I see your point, Dom, for sure. And well, yeah, well, I guess, I guess that explains, I guess that explains why I'm a why I'm a Mets fan who lives in the Bronx instead of being a Yankee fan. <laughs> Me too, man. It's a sad life being a Mets fan, but it's getting better. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Dom. Take care, Dom. Be well. All right, that's all the time we have for on tonight's show. Unless you're here, Brian. One last call, Brian Nash. But I don't think you're with us anymore, Brian. Hopefully, all is well on your end. For everybody else, fans of the Big Blue Banter Podcast, please, please do us a favor. Head over to YouTube. This is my new calling card. I'm going to pound this bad boy in every single day the same way that Jason Garrett pounds the rock on second and ten. That's what I'm going to be doing. Every second and ten run, when that happens next season, think of me from this past offseason when I'm telling you guys to head over to our YouTube page. Type in Big Blue Banter in YouTube. Once you're in YouTube, you'll find our logo. You hit that logo. You subscribe. You click that subscribe button, baby. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Check out some videos. Give us some likes. Give us some watches. Let it play in the background, even if you're not watching. We don't care. We just want to get those hours viewed up, baby. We're trying to build a page out here 
and we need your help to do it. So YouTube, Big Boo Banter, please subscribe there. It will really help us. We're trying to build that page. I know a lot of you said you want us to do video content. You've told us for almost a year now, and we're finally doing it. So it's not going to be possible unless you help us grow and make that you know, worthwhile for us, and we'll make it worthwhile for you. I guess that's the best way to do it. And as always, if you haven't already, bang it out in iTunes. Head over there. Hit review. Hit the five-star button. Don't pull a three-star like that jerk who gave us a three-star the other day for talking about potentially taking Elijah Vera Tucker with the first pick, which we didn't even say we wanted. We just said it was a possibility and ultimately still confused by that three-star. Instead, be that awesome person who we love. Give us that five-star review. Hit that five button. Type in something, whatever you want. Type in whatever the hell you want. I don't care. You could ask us a question because we'll answer that on the podcast. We can make a comment about Nick's eating habits because I always love those comments. You could you could do something about me. I don't know. Get on me. I don't care. Just give us that five-star review. Have a little fun with it. And then lastly, follow us on Instagram, NYBigBlueBanter on Instagram, NY in front of our Big Blue Banter. That's how you find us. A lot of good content coming out there. And, of course, lastly, every week we'll be doing these live Q&A shows on Locker Room. So join us here as well. Otherwise, have a great rest of your night, and we will talk to you guys soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.